Previously on Operation Retroshock. What color eyes does Jabba the Hutt peer out from? What color is eyes? Yeah. Yes. That's the way the uh, question is actually green. worded. That's the way it is in the uh, card. I'm, I'm thinking it's like a greenish yellow. Green? It is orange. <laughs> well, green, yellow equals orange. I get it by. <laughs> yeah, we'll give you half a point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, so... I've never paid attention to nobody's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should see some of the questions, like how many blasts did the Millennium Falcon get whenever they took off from Moss Eisley? It's like, one, two, oh, three, that's easy. three. And it's like, it's two. Um, so then, we'll crack on with episode four. And then we'll have a new hope, perhaps. It's time to watch your favorite TV program. Hit record on your VHS player. Tune in your NES and... Swearing for. <laughs> what are you doing now? I don't know. <laughs> there we go. Bye bye. You're right, it's right beside me and you're having issues like answering a telephone. <laughs> Nothing. The red button instead of the green button. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And it is episode four time, and we shall have our new hope, shall we, Chris? <sighs> Fantastic. Move on quickly. Fair enough, then. Uh, <laughs> first on the agenda, obviously this was the very first Star Wars film to come out. What was it that captured us and our imaginations, Rob? Oh my god, it's the first movie of its kind that you saw like that. Everything else looked cheap and fake. You know, if you ever saw a sci-fi movie prior to Star Wars, it was not good even if it was fun it was just the trailer just blew you away the music the 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 people the just everything made you want to go to it and they really promoted that by having the you know comics come come out right before it uh books were coming out right before it they promoted it like it was the best promotion machine ever it, even if it was the worst movie you were going to love it regardless you had no choice <laughs> Dan. 
Yeah, I mean, it was just such an amazing thing. It was funny because uh, growing up, I was pretty pretty big into like Star Trek, Star Trek: The Next Generation, and it was one of those shows that my my dad and I always made sure to watch all the time. And I was so big into it that my parents eventually said, "You know, you like Star Trek so much, you would probably like Star Wars." And I had never actually sat down to watch it up to that point. So my parents went out and they rented the films for me. And I watched episode four and that was it. It was over from there. <laughs> I was what I was completely enthralled by it. It was one of the greatest things I had ever seen. So I mean, just everything about it. It was it was just something that, you know, it's it's so unique and something like Rob said had never been seen or done before until that movie. So it was it was it was wonderful. Chris? Yeah, it was, it was just something that if somebody was to say the, the words that back then, Star Wars to you, you know, you kind of didn't know what to expect. So whenever you're sitting there and you're watching this happening, you're seeing like C-3PO and R2-D2 walking around, but you've never really seen that kind of thing. You're seeing the Stormtroopers, you're seeing, you know, the TIE Fighters, the Death Star, and you're just sitting there going, you know, it was a great way to escape from normality, and you can't really do that. Um, with many a film, you know, that you, you kind of get personally involved in, and, you know, whenever you go to the cinema to see it, you hear people shouting, you know, whenever Darth Vader comes in, immediately people know that that's the bad guy, and you hear, boo! <laughs> Although, why you boo with Darth Vader is beyond me. Um, but just so many things that, whenever it's a film that you can watch by yourself, or it's a film that you can watch with the entire family, yeah. and just everyone is going to sit there and be involved in it and just really really enjoy watching it it's very rare that you get that with many a film these days no? yeah for me um, you mentioned the whole family thing that was a big thing that always I enjoyed from it was it was always a film that no matter whether it was probably played every birthday mm-hmm. every new year's every like Christmas day any sort of major holiday I would have a Star Wars movie on no matter what one it was mm-hmm. It would be on. Well, bar episode one, of course. Well, yeah, well, yeah, but I'm talking, I'm talking way before even that, Chris. Way before even that. But um, yeah, it's just especially when you watched them when you were younger, it just completely captured your imagination. You're just like, what would it be like to be like, you know, flying a spaceship towards the Death Star and all that sort of stuff? And it's just, it's, it's baffling when you think about it. Um, of course. Chris, you were mentioning obviously seeing the likes of the TIE fighters and you know the Imperial stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the opening scene, we see the Rebel ship and the Imperial fighter. What would you would you consider this probably um, the most memorable part from this film, Chris? Um, yeah, probably that. Um, probably that. You know, just seeing that first of all, and just sitting back and then just going, whoa, you know. But then. I don't know why, but the the most memorable part for me would be the cantina, you know, mm. like, and that's the first time you see Han Solo and Chewbacca, and you just think, oh, this, you know, this big, like, furry like, dog thing <laughs> that just crawls people, and, you know, Han Solo is just, like, probably one of the coolest characters, in my opinion, like, made in films and stuff, but I, the, the cantina, just whenever you see them walk in, you just, like, hear them playing the band, play that same song again, you know, like, just that, <laughs> it's just like, uh, that, for me, is my most memorable uh, moment from the film. Dan? 
Yeah, the the cantina would definitely be my most memorable moment, the most memorable moment in the film. I mean, that's the one thing about episode four that I always think of is the cantina scene. Uh, I love just the the wide variety of different aliens and creatures we get to see all within that scene, and you know the whole Han Solo Greedo thing and all of that just happens right there. So that definitely has always stood out as my most memorable moment. Cool, Rob. You know. The only, the only two scenes that are the biggest scenes going is the opening shot where you see that Star Destroyer just coming in and it keeps going and going and going. You yeah. sit there going, oh my god, how is that little ship going to do anything? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> it's, it's that dynamic that set the movie apart. And then the cantina scene, I think they're kind of equal because they set up two dynamics. The Chris Clean, you know, the Empire, and then you got the CD Underworld. And you need those two contrasts. The almost, I feel, identical and very necessary. Mm-hmm. The cantina scene does stand out the most for me because uh, you see all the different aliens and you just think of the possibilities, like, where could that guy been from? You know, where, what planet's he from? You know, could it be, like, water or could it be, like, different, you know, atmosphere, all that sort of stuff? And, of course, you have the confrontation, you know, he's not worth it, this, you know, all that <laughs> sort of stuff. Um, and, uh, the big thing about the cantina is it's the most recreated scene. I think probably pretty up there in Star Wars well, history. Well, they've just done it like a couple of exactly um, uh, weeks ago with the that, uh, what is it the Nike advert or Adidas? Adi- Adidas advert yeah. because that's uh, what I was going to touch on was uh, you see the aliens sitting around and uh, obviously it was when we were first introduced to the Han and Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. But in the likes of the adverts you see nowadays, it's just all these different characters, like celebrities and all, are inserted in like the background and all that sort of stuff. I hated that commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I would have, I would have actually suspected that. That doesn't surprise me. I don't want Snoop Dogg in my Star Wars. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Um, can you now watch this film without thinking of Blue Harvest, the Family Guy film, Dan? <laughs> uh, yeah, I can. I mean, <laughs> I thought the Family Guy thing was funny, and I mean, we constantly quote jokes and stuff from it, but I don't really think about the Family Guy episode when watching Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars is just Star Wars for me. <laughs> nothing, nothing is going to make me. It's not like, uh, you know, on the opposite spectrum, I, there's a lot of songs that I can't listen to without thinking about Weird Al's lyrics. Um, it doesn't really work that way with Star Wars because I'm never going to think of anything else but Star Wars when I'm watching Star Wars Rob? yeah I agree Uh, Star Wars is just iconic and it's there before and it's going to be there after sweet for me the thing that uh, was funny it's uh, you can respect Star Wars and watch the movies without thinking of the family guy uh, we have a friend. Uh, yeah, what you're going to say about that New Year's? Yes, yeah. yes, that New Year's. That um, one of our friends who, shock and horror, had never seen a Star Wars movie in her life, and we put on the opening scenes of Episode Four, and she was just a, a bit like, you know, it was about 20 minutes in, was it? I think, yeah. and then she was just like. I'm a wee bit baffled by this, and we we're like, okay, well, we'll show you the Family Guy one and let you figure it out. 
Try no, again. I think we put the Family Guy one on because everyone was just like, whenever going, look, sir, droids, oh, a penny, you know, that kind of thing. And then whenever <laughs> Greedo gets shot, go, why now, you know, and all that, just whenever that all happened, that's whenever we knew, yeah, we're going to have to put on Blue Harvest now because we'll not be able to take this seriously, unfortunately. But it did get her interested in it. Yeah, that's we it. just never let Neil do that ever again. <laughs> Um, of course, we have to remember the uh, Death Star Trench. This has to be one of the most cinematic pieces in history. Um, like the film itself, it's a cinematic piece of history. Do you think the trench scene holds up today, Dan? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. It's I mean, it maybe maybe the special effects and everything have gotten a little crisper and cleaner these days, but this still looks fantastic for its time. And watching it, it's still just as exciting as it is the first time you saw it. You know, I, I think it looks great. Rob, I agree. There's nothing you can say about that. It's the climactic scene, and it it's just sick to watch. It's just awesome. Right, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's pretty iconic, the fact that, you know, like, every time you get a Star Wars game, like, is it Rogue Squadron, the one from Rogue GameCube? Squadron, yeah. That's, well, like, the third level you do is doing that there. Um, like, the Star Wars, the classic Vectrix graphics one, wherever you're just sitting in the Death Star Trench, and you've got, like, the wee controls there, and just, like, so many things to do with that are just fantastic, and the way it's just, the way it's just done... Um, it's just brilliant and whenever uh, Darth Vader's go to shoot uh, Luke and you see Han coming in in his new uh, sofa <laughs> and then just you know shoot um, Vader and you see him spinning, spinning away it's just it's one of those things that uh, it still makes the hairs in the back of your neck mm-hmm. stand up for me and just the music as well is a big deal the thing I love about the trench scene is obviously you've got the whole you know dynamic different views that you see, but I like the way they show you the first person view. You know, mm-hmm. you're like the cockpit view, and you're just yeah. shooting along there because it nearly it. I, this I'll probably get slapped by Rob saying this. It kind of harks back a wee bit to the pod racing, as you saw that and say that would make a game. <laughs> and it, and it, but it is fantastic. It's far better of a game idea well, than it would be pod racing. What I thought was really cool is if you ever watched the behind the scenes where they got the idea for the whole Death Star scene or anytime there's a shooting scene, they based it on World War II footage. So if you ever, they actually did a comparison. George, uh, George Lucas actually edited all these World War II footage yeah. to show these shots of what he was envisioning. And it was cameras mounted in the cockpit that were outside on top, other cameras on other planes. And you needed to capture that. And that's what made it so important because it's a simple. Going in, I'm going to take a shot, I'm getting shot from behind, I'm shooting this guy, I'm shooting that guy. You need to make it dynamic. And he just really nailed that. And that's really... If you ever see that like World War II footage that he cut together, you're like, oh my god, it's the exact thing. It's really... That makes it what it is. Sweet. Now, a big question here, and I wonder if it'll be easy for you both. Millennium Vulcan or a lightsaber? Dan? <laughs> Lightsaber, for sure. Definitely a lightsaber. <laughs> Definitely a lightsaber. <laughs> Rob, uh, I gotta get the Falcon because I can shoot a guy from up in the space, you know, with a gun. <laughs> lightsaber, block cool it with my lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep blocking all your arms. Just gonna keep shooting and shooting and shooting. And, shooting and, shooting. and I'm nowhere near you. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, lightsaber. Do the fact that you don't need to put any fuel or anything in it. Lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I don't have a driving license, so I'll be sitting there just like kangaroo petrol, just going along. Uh, just yeah. That's uh, why you lightsaber. need a Wookiee to pay for the gas. <laughs> yeah, you see, you're going into more money there. No, lightsaber all the way. It has to be lightsaber for me as well because. Uh, I went and hunted and tracked down the SFX Darth Vader lightsaber, which I sadly got a bit over-enthusiastic with. <laughs> it, uh, it smashed off a wall. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I, abso- I absolutely loved it as well. Yeah, I've mine carefully mounted on the windowsill. I didn't decide to swing around and go, oops, and then to smash it. Oh, wait, Alan. Are, are... You're not the Star Wars kid, are you? No, that's <laughs> not. If only I was. I thought you were a celebrity. I would get nervous there for a second. <laughs> if only I was. But it wasn't even like I was bouncing about or anything. It was one. Yeah, uh huh, uh huh. You say whatever you want, Alan, and we'll believe whatever we want. I'll borrow your Xbox, bring out Connect. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, same question as we have posed to every episode uh, from one to six, how would you rate this movie, Rob? This is a two, because without it, we wouldn't have anything else. Radio, Chris? Three. Dan? A two. I would probably go 2.5. Speak <laughs> enough, why don't you? I'd pick a two or a three, one or the other. <laughs> Whatever, I'll do what I want. Um, Dan, I have a question for you. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> How old is the Queen in episode one? Fourteen. Oh, he's good. <laughs> well done. That is correct. That's correct. Chris, you as well. Yay. <laughs> what is the name of the holographic chess game that Chewbacca and RTD2 play on the Millennium Vulcan? Hollow Chess. <laughs> I have no idea what it's called. Uh, if I can pronounce it. Oh yeah, well, yeah. Well, <laughs> ask me a question and don't give me the answer because you can't pronounce it. Wait, it's like De- it's like Deseric or something like yeah, that, right? Deseric. Deseric. Yeah, that would probably be the pronunciation. I would say. Yeah. That's what I said. You didn't. I, 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 just, know what it is, I don't want to get my arms ripped off by a Wookiee. <laughs> 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 I've learned to master that. <laughs> anyway, we will come back from the break and we will cover episode five. Luke Skywalker and Han Solo rescued the princess, destroyed the Death Star, but their story didn't end there. Now, the creators of the biggest smash hit of all time bring you the next episode in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. continuing story of our band of heroes, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, C-3PO, R2-D2, and Chewbacca, and introducing Lando Calrissian. It's an epic of romance. Of heroes and villains. They cross trackless voids to unknown worlds. 
Galactic Odyssey Against Oppression. A big, new, sprawling space adventure in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. Coming to your galaxy next summer. Okay, so now we're back for... Now we're back and the Empire is striking back. You see, my puns work, yours don't. Um, So we're going to crack on with the first part. So obviously the opening battle is set on Hoth, uh, which is made entirely of snow. Uh, That and the Adats, Snowspeeder, etc. make it a truly fantastic battle to watch. Dan, did you really enjoy this aspect, both watching and also playing it in video games? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, dude, absolutely. Uh, it's It's a fun scene to watch. I love the whole... The, the way they find the work together to like trip the ATATs and all that kind of stuff and that totally plays right into that whole video game aspect I think this is just like you said with the, the Death Star Trench this is one of those scenes that's been recreated in a whole bunch of video games um Specifically, I remember it being in Shadows of the Empire on Nintendo 64. And I remember it being, I think, in that exact same um, GameCube game we were talking about earlier, which is what, Rogue Squadron or whatever it was. (laughs) Um, And and I always loved... what was another? Oh, the the Star Wars trilogy arcade game is one that I always liked playing. Oh, yes, that was that was amazing. Yeah, that was amazing. yeah, it's so it's such an amazing one in that game. But you know, just <laughs> uh, hooking the tow cable onto the ATAT and swinging around it to trip it up and everything. Oh, that is so much fun. So yeah, I, I love it both in the movie and in the video games. Yeah, obviously tying into that. Um, obviously with the uh, Force Unleashed, there was the extra download content yes. as well, uh, which had like certain parts of Empire where I think it was a case of you were um, you had to beat up. I think it was Luke Skywalker. You had to beat him in a fight. Did you play that at all, Dan? No, you know I haven't done any of the downloads for my Force Unleashed yet. I really want to download those extra bonus levels, but I, I haven't done it yet. It's on my to-do list, okay. <laughs> so I'll get to it eventually. Rob, what are your thoughts on um, everything that um, all the aspects of video games that uh, seem to be parallel to The Empire Strikes Back? If I remember correctly, I had the Atari one when I was a kid, and it was not oh. nowhere near as cool. You just kind of shot at the AT-AT. <laughs> yeah, you didn't get to try the rope around it. But I just loved it. Like, yeah, I'm shooting the AT-AT, even though it's not like the movie, but it's still cool. It's not like you're actually shooting an AT-AT. You had like the little flickering colored square on yeah. them that would be like their weak spot. And then <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah I totally had that game. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was like my one big uh, Star Wars game that I played. <laughs> I just didn't do the rest because I had Sega. So. <laughs> oh. Definitely. The whole snow speeder thing with two in the rope around the ad ads, I absolutely adored. It was one level I would play virtually non stop. On whatever whatever console it was, but be it Rogue Squadron for 
GameCube, all that sort of stuff. Because I always just loved hearing them putting the voice of Wedge doing, you know, just one more pass. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> I'm doing this. And it's just awesome. I would have to agree with Dan with uh, just when I mentioned Star Wars Arcade. That was probably one of the best arcade games I've ever played. And just doing that, you know, like having the. I'm just going to go off on tangent here, but whenever you're fighting uh, Boba Fett and he's shooting at you, it'll give you like an arrow when you have to move yeah, it across. Yeah. And then it's just uh, like. Yeah. That, I remember getting. Getting excited once because I played it, and I remember buying a Dreamcast magazine and said they were bringing it out for the Dreamcast, and I was oh. like, "Brilliant!" And uh, uh, oh, like, wipe yeah, out Dreamcast, yeah. Dreamcast. Yeah. Don't mock the Dreamcast. I had it. So. <laughs> I still have it. Yeah, have so do I. I still have I had, it. Like, I never have it. At least in America. So. Oh, <laughs> you played Friends, didn't you? Yes, I played. Yeah, recurring theme there. Did you watch Star Wars and Friends as well? No, I did not. Okay. So, um, obviously, Rob, what would be your opinion on the new vehicles that we saw, um, such as the Snowspeeders and Slave 1 primarily? Alright, well, if there's any one vehicle in Empire Strikes Back, it is Slave 1. I mean, it's Boba Fett's ship. It's, <laughs> it's different and doesn't look like any. kind of looks like an ironing, like an iron, but we'll let yeah. it go. It's really cool. I, but, think uh, it's mod- I think it's modeled on a street lamp or something, if memory serves. They can say what I want. When you actually hold a toy in your hand, you can iron with that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but with anything else, uh, the Adat camel giant robot things are just really... It's point- kind of the stupidest looking vehicle, but it's the coolest looking thing. A four-legged walking robot. That That's cool. <laughs> and it was gigantic. If you actually owned the original one, I, I never had it. My cousin had it, and it was huge, especially when you're five. Wait till the new <laughs> one comes out. Oh, oh I know. That's that discussion. I can't have wait. <laughs> I can't have anything that's bigger than my pets in my house. That's <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Dan? Fight with it. <laughs> uh, Slave One would definitely be my favorite of all the vehicles, just like Rob was saying. I love Boba Fett, so I love his ship. <laughs> Uh, very, very, very cool. Alan? Slave One is up there among any ship in the Star Wars galaxy. Like, I love the idea of the way it's different than anything else you really see, and the fact that it isn't just it doesn't just sit there on feet or anything like that when it lands. It's properly, you know, it lifts off and it turns around and then it takes off because you see it. Uh, I think you see the shot in Episode Two them like strapping themselves in. That's kind of them climbing up against gravity and all that sort of stuff but I do also love the snow speeders yeah, snow I speeders. love the snow speeders snow speeders are cool but as adats are adats are cool as well just the, the noise they make it's just like Star Wars has some awesome yes. sound effects you know like and just the noise it makes is brilliant so obviously we will we had the debut there of some certain vehicles. We had a debut of a brand new character, Lando Calrissian, who was the first black character uh, in Star Wars. Um, Rob, what did you think of his performance and also his little home, which was Cloud City? You know, Lando was weird because it, what, what's really cool about Lando is that, oh, Han Solo has a friend. Okay, that's different. I always thought Chewie was his best friend. And then you find out that, oh, no, he's got another friend and he owns a whole city that's in the sky somewhere that's not near any place else um, I always felt it, it reminded me a lot like the Jetsons it was just a ball <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, it's like I want to know what's him. on the ground it's like what's there it's like no it's not important it's better up here we got the sun but <laughs> it, it just it, it was the weirdest thing is Empire to me is like the best film of Star Wars but 
it's you come to this really weird casino is what I always felt like you know it was like and it, it, you got Billy D. Williams who was really not a bad actor at all he was really good in his part and you really believed him and that whole betrayal you, you had no problem with it even though they just introduced the character in the movie you didn't feel like oh great there's a new character and anybody's supposed to buy his toy but you actually felt for the characters and the relationships worked out real well I think if anybody else was going to play like Lando it, I don't think it would have worked as well I thought he did phenomenal and it really helped bring that movie more and then when he came back of course in the next movie it's like alright he's not that much of a jerk cool <laughs> Down. Yeah, I, I agree. Billy D was awesome as uh, Lando, and I, I think one of the coolest things they did with Lando is even though he, like Rob said, he was just introduced in that movie, they did a really cool like roller coaster ride of emotions with this character because you you land and you're kind of doing that thing where you're not so sure if you can trust this guy or not, and then he's oh well look he's he's hugging Han and he's buddies with Chewie and everything's cool this is great, and then there's the whole betrayal where you know he he feeds him to Darth Vader and everything, and you're like oh that jerk that jerk. He just turned in the, the good guys to, to gave him right away, and then you kind of realize there that you know it was something he was forced to do, and he's going to make his wrongs right and take off. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe this guy's all right again, you know. So you got your ups and downs with the character, and and you ultimately you you learn to love Lando, and I think that was just a really really cool introduction for the character, and and really you know, it, it, it was a good way to like flesh out that character right away as soon as they presented him to us we didn't really have to like learn much about him it was all right there in one moment we were kind of like do we like him do we hate him do we like him do we hate oh we like him he's awesome you know <laughs> also wait sorry I want to say one thing one thing that's very dynamic about what you were saying about Billy D is that you have to love him at the end like he was a big star at the time that movie came out and so when he came in he could have said no 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 I don't get to be a jerk I want to be a complete hero but he allowed that character to be the jerk and they come back and redeem, which worked really well. Mm-hmm. Right. I felt the contrast was fantastic. I uh, I remember watching it for the first time and just thinking, like, Han considers him a friend, mm-hmm. but just will not trust him enough. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you're sitting there and you're like, there's something not quite right, but you, you kind of... You love the character that Lando's portraying. He's kind of like this really nice, you know, he's all smiles. and like, yeah, hey, you know, hey, Han, welcome, and all that sort of stuff. And trying to chat up Leia and all that sort of stuff. And you just see Han giving him looks and that <laughs> sort of stuff. And then you just hear the sentence of, you know, I've struck a deal of, hmm. you know, just to keep the Empire away from here. And the door just opens and you're like, oh, my goodness, this guy is an absolute uh, bleep. <laughs> 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 yeah, but it's just whenever he says, you know, they arrived right before you did, I'm sorry, and Han just says, I'm sorry too, buddy, as if to say, <laughs> yeah, I didn't kind of trust you to begin with, uh, I, I kind of have foundation for that now and all that, you know, and later on you see him saying, I thought the deal was that you were going to just take Han and now you want to take Leia and the Wookiee, and, mm-hmm. you know, that's whenever he kind of sends out your man Lobot, I think his name is, by... Pressing the buttons yeah. on his watch, yeah. um, but I just thought he was a very cool character. And even though he did that, um, it was not somebody you just went, "Oh, boo!" You kind of, well, he did redeem himself. At kind the of end, felt sorry it, for it. Yeah, it was kind of a case of he's been put in that position and he's been made more awkward, you know, to actually do that. So, Dan, um, is it safe to say that Luke, I am your father? is the most shocking revelation not in just this film but probably in a lot of films that you have watched in your life 
Absolutely, absolutely. I always kind of regret the fact that, you know, I wasn't around when the movie was first released, because even though I didn't discover the Star Wars movies until, you know, I was was a kid and everything, I kind of already knew the whole Vader father thing, because it was common knowledge. Even to anybody who hasn't really seen these movies, most people know the I am your father statement, you know? So I've always kind of wished that I was able to attend Empire Strikes Back the first time it was shown and be just as shocked as the rest of the audience when that revelation was made. And it's something I, I, I just... I, I think that would have really added to the, the whole aspect of how shocking it really was, you know? Um, but I know that that still stands as one of the biggest reveals in movie history. I mean, nobody saw that coming. That was a huge shock to everybody. Rob? That scene is so important because it makes you think like Obi Wan's a jerk and a liar. Everything I know about my life is wrong, and the guy in the in the oxygen tank mask is telling me he's this, my father. I'm like, wait, wait. The guy I trusted is lying to me, and the guy who's trying to kill me and destroy all my friends is telling me the truth. It's overly dynamic and it's very important for that to happen if you think about it I think if you actually watch the movie there's little things that set up that way of thinking and slowly um, when when Luke goes to the Dagobah system meets up with Yoda and there's like little things are being thrown at there especially when he cuts off the head and his face is inside the mask it's kind of like a dead giveaway uh, that was earlier before he went and they had the fight scene. He was in, on the Dagobah system with Yoda. And that's, that You go in that path alone, it's a dark, evil place. The, the dark force is strong in there. And Luke goes in there, he starts fighting Vader, the mask blows off, and it's Luke's face. I think it's, I, That's almost like a little spoon-fed to when that scene happens, that I am your father. It's like, oh, that's why your face was inside Vader's mask. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh. This is the sort of thing that I think is fantastic about the older Star Wars films, is nowadays, if this sort of movie came along much like with wrestling there would be spoilers online within two seconds and <laughs> it, would have, it would have been completely ruined mm-hmm. but this scene I just haven't watched it um, the other day to get brushed up on it um, I do consider it my favourite episode is the fact that just the power in what Darth is when he's saying you know, look I am your father but then when he clasps his hand together yeah. really tightly and then he just goes we could rule the galaxy together as father and son and then he just opens his hand like that and there's such a power in that and it's just and then you just see the look looks like oh dear what the hell what the <laughs> hell do I do I'm completely torn inside and then of course he falls <laughs> yeah you don't really part of the family business neither <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's again whenever um, they're actually portraying it um, the I have a funny feeling the director said, right, to Mark Hamill, he said, right, he's going to say to you, Luke, I killed your father, but what's actually going to be said is, Luke, I am your father, so you have to try and portray that. So mm-hmm. you see in the documentary, like, Luke going, and Mark Hamill said, and I go, no. He said, yeah, we need more emotion than that kind of thing. And um, just the fact that that is one of just as Dan said, I would love to have seen it. I would have been only oh. two at the time, so I wouldn't have been. Understand yeah. what was going on, anyway. It's just like actually, Vin, you are wrong. He didn't say he said Obi Wan killed your father. That's why oh. Luke said that was the line. Sorry, good. 
Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Told. Told. Yeah, I was schooled there. Uh, <laughs> my opinion doesn't matter anymore. I'll not contribute anymore. Yeah. I'll just read these questions. Well, so, no, valid. It's valid all the way. Except for you, yeah, yeah, so um, there's a character, y- Yida or something. I don't know how to pronounce this either. Uh, Yoda on Dagobah training Luke was a great testament to Hamill's acting skills. I was only him and a puppet. Um, do we miss this with CGI nowadays, Rob? Um, yeah completely because the actors are probably getting worse now uh, when you at least have a puppet you can actually act with it you ever watch like you say you watch Sesame Street those people act really good with the puppets right there so when you had Yoda physically there and moving and talking and say the lines back and he was actually surrounded by two uh, puppet and a robot and it was one guy in, in R2 and you had and he can't speak any of the lines because he doesn't have any and then you have Yoda so basically it's very good testament because he's basically working with himself and it, you cannot get that with CGI because CGI is like the director saying pretend it's six feet tall okay look him in the eyes you see where the boom mic is that's his face <laughs> it's very hard to act with it's very hard to act with something that's not there and it's it's really you get that's why Mark's performance is so great because he's at least able to interact with the physical being of Yoda Dan. I agree with everything Rob just said. Plus, I'm the I'm the kind of guy who totally prefers to have puppets or people in costumes and stuff like that yeah. over CGI. I think CGI looks great, and it's really come a long way, but there's just something really great about seeing an actual you know, costume designed for an alien character or a monster or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah, I agree with everything Rob said. Okay. Um... Yes, I forgot huh? my name. Yes. <laughs> um, like I said uh, earlier, I'm a big CGI nut, but I have to admit, see, in this sort of a situation, you cannot go CGI. You just can't. No. Especially, especially even nowadays, I, I would spoil it. You know, CGI is all well and good for like a big open like battle scene where it just could not be possible in any other way. But when you see the likes of, I think the thing that stood out specifically with Yoda was you didn't think he was a puppet you believed he was this wee creature he did not seem your typical puppet character because you saw him moving about and you saw him in different angles like when he's you know looking in the container and all and he's finding the wee like wee torchlight that just brings the extra depth to the character yeah, it's one that um, even whenever you see Luke and he's got Yoda on his backpack and you see him you know going like is the dark side strong no, no, no and just just the way the character is actually done by Frank Oz and even though some people say you know like they can't listen to Yoda without thinking that it's Fozzie Bear and it's like oh, no, I think that's it's, rubbish uh, yeah, yeah that's I think that's not true, true. Yeah. yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah, it's uh, totally different because, uh, for one, Yoda doesn't say, yeah, the dark side is stronger, waka waka, or anything <laughs> like that. But um, it's just the fact that it must have been hell to be on that set and that water not getting changed and just smelling that day in, day out. It's just, as he says, you know, like it'd be like, uh, right, um, on the script it would be like him and then there would just be like all these props and you know Frank Oz this and that and it's just like for somebody who really wasn't that well known you know three years prior to um, to that and then doing that there is just fantastic so Dan before we see Boba Fett taking Han Solo to Jabba the Hutt um, Leia tells Han she loves him only for him to reply I know 
Uh, did this really sum up the um, Han Solo character? For sure. For sure, absolutely. It showed exactly the kind of guy he was. And I, I just love that scene. That is so cool. It shows how cool he was, you know? Like, yeah, he's too cool. He's too cool to say I love you back. You just, you know, he knows. He's, he's cool. And, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's just, that's such a cool scene. And, yeah, definitely. Definitely shows you the kind of character Han is. Rob? He's a complete mech. That's what you want to see yeah. him. Like, you know, Harrison Ford said it. Like, they, he said, I love you. And he's like, wait, it's not working. Let's do it again. I love you. But, uh, it's like, I love you too. It's like, like, it's not working. Harrison, what do you think he would say? He's like, he wouldn't say none of that. He goes, I know, and then get frozen. And you see and all the girls, you ask any girl watch that movie, all the girls go nuts for when Han Solo says that. It's the mech. It's the, it's, that's why he is that guy. He is the rugged, like, anti-hero but he's still a good guy and he can just say anything he wants and the girls are going to love him yep yep it is it is the true definition of treat them mean keep them keen <laughs> it really it really really is han so far up to this point in the series of star wars has been trying to get her to like him and that sort of thing he's saying well you like me and all that sort of stuff and then the second she does do it he just goes, yeah, I knew you did, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So if we were to rank this here like we have, or, you know, like giving it a score, Alan, what score would you give from 1 to 6? Uno. Dan? 1. Rob? 1. 2. Oh! oh. How you'll dare f- you? You'll find out why. When You're off the show. Under t- Hey, it's my show. No, I have 50% ownership. I can throw you off if I want. Son of a... (laughs) Majority rules. I know what it is. It's the Star Wars Christmas specials number one from. (laughs) Spoilers, Rob. Spoilers. Sorry, sorry. sorry. I apologize. It's actually the the Battle for Endor is actually my favorite Star Wars film ever. Oh, yeah. The the Ewok movie? (laughs) Yeah. Alan, please just go to an excellent guy. Put you out of the put you out of the misery. Yeah. Anyway, we will uh, we'll come back from the break and we shall touch on the final Star Wars movie episode. Probably six. what the fall feels like. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway, before uh, we get in trouble, we shall go to the break. See you in a bit. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the next chapter in the Star Wars saga. Return of the Jedi. The battle between good and evil rages on. Join the further adventures of Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia, Lando Calrissian, Chewbacca, C-3PO and R2-D2, and Darth Vader. A journey to alien worlds. It's a trap. A rebellion against oppression. An epic of heroes and villains. An adventure as vast as the universe. Return of the Jedi. Coming to a selected theater in your galaxy.
and welcome back for episode six, Revenge of the Jedi. No. Uh, oh, what? No. See what you no. got. It's only that for a while. <laughs> Return of the Jedi. Okay. Oh dear. Uh, Jabba the Hutt. We have seen received Han Solo in the Carbonite. What did we think of Jabba and his pet Rancor? I shall send this over to Dan because I know what Dan is, his opinion is on. Mm-hmm. The yes. <laughs> I, love, I love that laugh. Love. Yeah. <laughs> just twiddling just, his fingers. Just like with the Cantina, I love Jabba's palace. That entire scene is fantastic. I love Jabba the Hutt. I am in love with Slave Girl Leia, and uh, <laughs> the Rancor is awesome. That's such an awesome beast. Uh, fantastic scene, fantastic. It's it's probably one of my exa- absolute favorite moments in the entire film. Even though it's like the opening of the movie, it's like it's my favorite. I love it. Rob, it's completely like traditional old-fashioned gangster movie. He's the mob boss, he's got his henchmen, he's got his hideaway, he's well protected, and whatever he wants, he gets. Be it, like I said, Slave Leia, he controls, he's got his prized possession, a guy who betrayed him, basically instead of cutting his head off and putting it on a stick, he froze the guy and put him and mounted him on the wall. That is completely like traditional, old-style gangster. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Chris? Yeah, just, whenever I was young, if I had the video of it, um, I would always watch for some reason whenever I was younger I would always watch just like the opening part wherever they're in Jabba's palace I don't know why I just love that so much um, just like Salacious Crumb like Jabba's like little pet thing as well <laughs> just his laugh is just <laughs> his laugh not your laugh Alan um, is just absolutely fantastic and due to the fact that he caused Anthony Daniels to have a panic attack is even better <laughs> in my opinion um, but I just just the characters in it and just like the sealed barges and everything just, just was fantastic <laughs> for me uh, the Rancor scene stands out because when I saw it first time um, at the age I was I absolutely was scared out of my skin because just the whole the just trying to get away from it and then Luke being able to outwit it and all that sort of stuff it was just a nice wee dynamic to it Um we obviously saw that Luke sent uh, the whole idea of uh, they were sent to the Sarlacc pit and Chewbacca all that sort of to be slowly digested <laughs> over a thousand years. <laughs> Did we enjoy seeing this? And uh, Dan again seeing Steve Blair killing Jabba. <laughs> Dan. <laughs> yeah, this was such a fantastic scene. The whole the whole fight with it. Um, the Sarlacc pet was really cool, and I even really liked the uh, the stuff they added in with the special editions, where they actually added like the the mouth to it and everything like that. It was it was so cool. Um, the one of my favorite parts of that whole thing is with the 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 blind Han Solo <laughs> sitting there. <laughs> Boba Fett, Boba Fett, where turns around. Accidentally hits Boba Fett, and my favorite character dies like that. <laughs> you know? Well, I'm screaming hand. Well, I'm screaming hand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of Boba Fett's only lines in the entire thing was ah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, but yeah, Slave Leia like wrapping the chain around Jabba and choking him to death. I mean, it was like it was chaos that was going on there, but it was all so cool. You know, I, I love you know how uh, they 
you could tell like Luke almost had like this plan the whole time of, of how he knew it was going to happen with R2 you know getting into position and then launching the lightsaber out when he gave the signal and all that stuff it was it was one of those things where everybody thought Luke was crazy for this whole thing but realized that you know Luke kind of knew what he was doing the whole time and that kind of plays into the whole you know he's starting to get in touch with the whole Jedi Knight aspect you know he's growing up he's learning to be a Jedi all that kind of stuff so yeah I, I love this scene yeah, um, <laughs> one thing is, like, whenever Leia's obviously killed Jabba and um, she's on the sail barge and uh, Luke says, you know, point the gun at the deck, and she does, and she runs over and he grabs her. I bet any money he's going, hello, and then <laughs> thinking later on, God, God damn, that's my sister. I've kissed my sister, first of all, and now, I have, now I've just had, you know, erotic thoughts with her in that slave um, bikini thing. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just, um, but yeah, it's just the fact that I've, I'm going to be chastised for this, I've never really been a Boba Fett character. Anyone who gets killed oh. by a blind guy is just like, I just don't really. He didn't it. get killed by a blind guy, he got knocked off balance by a blind guy, it is a big difference. Right. <laughs> he was well, still making as he fell in. After he well, it's not my fault he can't stand up straight, is it? What's and if you, count the, if you want to count the expanded universe as continuity, yeah. he did get yeah. out of the Sarlacc pit, so, you know, he's back not dead. I'll pass it over to you then, Rob, to get revenge on Chris here. Um, okay, everything about Jabba and the whole setup is just probably the best part of the movie. Anything you watch from that, the reason why you're watching it is because it's the best part of that film. That whole opening was so dynamic action from Leia killing Jabba, from Luke. First time when Luke showed up and he's like, you know, you know, just let them go. He's trying to use the Jedi mind trick. It didn't work. Shows you, oh, the Jedi mind trick doesn't work on everybody. That's the first time you ever noticed that. And it was with the uh, with Jabba. Besides, not everybody can be controlled by Jedi mind trick. Yeah, which right. is really cool. It shows how well that's why this guy is so tough, and the, even the, the 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 Empire doesn't mess with with Jabba. That shows it's significant of the character. And yeah, he gets killed off by a chick, but most great mob bosses get killed off by a chick. It happens. <laughs> That's quite true. And, and, and um, the Sarlacc pit with Boba, it was all fine, because you know what? Boba's character was never meant to be... like. I don't really think George Lucas really understood why fans liked Boba, so right. they just wanted to kill him off because they didn't want to deal with it. It's like, all right, you see, he just got hit, he fell into the pit. Which only made it worse on him because the fans are like he's got a jetpack. Why he just fly out? Why didn't he do this? And then it makes it worse. But everything about that, and, and you've seen um, Lando. You see, once Lando was being the the buddy, helping out everything, like he said, put into place and made it work. That whole opening up until they fly away and Jabba dies is probably the best part you're gonna see in that movie. That that's the to me that's like the whole movie. It's like watching Full Metal Jacket after the training. You don't watch it no more. It's like you watch <laughs> Return of the Jedi. And you're like, after that, it's like, all right, I can wait a little bit because I know there's going to be some Ewoks eventually. So. <laughs> <laughs> Teddy Bear's picnic. <laughs> um, obviously, we've briefly touched on Boba Fett, but in this episode, we see the death of two characters. Obviously, one being Boba, the other being Yoda. Um, could more have been done with them in this episode, uh, Rob? No. It's, he, he, he was already elderly. He was dying. It's like they're passing the torch. You know, Luke's supposed to be technically, quote, unquote, like the last one, and you find out he's not really, but it's the idea that, like, Yoda had to die, because you couldn't do more with Yoda at this point in time in the story. Like, the idea, like, 
Obi-Wan Kenobi wasn't supposed to die in the original script. But, uh, what's his name? Um, Al Guinness said, just kill me off because there's no point getting me around because I don't do nothing. I, after they go and take down the tractor beam in the first movie, he sits there and does nothing. So they said, kill me off. I'll become more significant. Yoda dying is very significant. It's like the Jedi's got that whole, I guess, they take from all different religions. So it's kind of like that reincarnation, but they go into a higher plateau. So Yoda's final form should be his death. It's that significant. Mm-hmm. Everyone that Luke, everyone that Luke cared for, is slowly either betrayed him or dying or turned bad. So you need that. It helps build Luke as a character. Mm-hmm. Dom. Yeah, I agree with everything Rob said. I mean, and plus, uh, added to that, just story-wise, they'd served their purposes by this yeah. point. You know, I mean, Boba Fett had served his purpose, like Rob had said, and I mean, there, R- Lucas didn't really have anything more for Boba to do in the story, so you know, killing him off worked. Uh, same with Yoda. Yoda has done what he needed to do for this story. You know, we we've we've learned more about the Jedi themselves. Yoda was there to introduce us to that. He was there to train Luke and kind of get Luke set on the right path. And now it's all up to Luke. It's all on Luke at this point. So Yoda's character dying is is very tragic, but adds so much more to the story. And and it's it's uh, it's more important this way. So yeah, I for agree. me, yeah, for me, I think the stuff with Yoda when obviously he's dying is great because it kind of gives you the kind of the stamp of approval in the sense that he goes back thinking that Yoda's going to say well you have to learn this and this and this and this but Yoda just turns around and says um, you've learned all you need to know but then Luke thinks oh so I'm a Jedi then and Yoda just reconfirms you still do have to confront Vader mm-hmm. and then there's the whole twist about you know is my father Vader and Yoda reluctantly you know, informs him and again the whole idea of Yoda dying it gave Luke even more fuel of I'm the last sort of yeah. you know, potential for the Jedi Order and I must now go and confront my father I uh, uh, prefer the fact that Boba Fett and Yoda died rather than you know Harrison Ford said that he wanted Han Solo killed off mm-hmm. in it um, I'm just glad that didn't happen Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> this is going to be one of your favourites here, Chris. Oh yeah, Rob's going to be ecstatic with this question. <laughs> Admiral Akbar and the characters some like some. Oh, drop! It's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> Those being the likes of the Ewoks, make their Star Wars day. Was Akbar the better of the two? Um, oh, take a bunch of action! <laughs> Damn. Wait, are you asking if Akbar is better than the Ewoks? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. What? It's a trap! It's a trap! Interesting question, but yeah, it's a trap! It's a trap! I mean, come on, dude, that's just hilarious. <laughs> one, one of the most quoted lines. I, I was gonna say, yeah, that's like my favorite Star Wars quote ever. <laughs> it's a trap! <laughs> For a while, my uh, my cell phone text message was just my phone screaming, It's a trap! It's a trap! I mean, <laughs> that's how much I like it. So, okay, I guess Akbar gets my vote. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I I love the fish guy. He's awesome. Akbar is just <laughs> awesome. He's he's like a red lobster. He's got the funniest voice. It's a trap. And you have to love that because it's like he's admiral. Like holy, who was worse than him and didn't get a promotion? <laughs> like, like he states the obvious thing all the time. Like we're getting shot. Take evasive maneuvers. Take evasive maneuvers. Really? No. Just don't move at all. It's like. Quick, they, they surround. Oh, oh, it's a trap. It's a trap. No. 
<laughs> really? Oh God! But you know, he, we were, he's an admiral. We'll let it go. <laughs> we were we were talking earlier about relating like the Family Guy stuff to it. Now, when I think about Akbar, I totally think about the Robot Chicken Star Wars thing yes. with yes. Admiral Akbar cereal. Just him running in and slapping those bowls off the table, <laughs> screaming, "It's a trap! It's a trap!" And then saying, "Your taste buds can't repel flavor of that magnitude." I mean, <laughs> that's like my ultimate Akbar, dude. That is hilarious. I love it. <laughs> you see, I think I think of the other robot chicken sketch where they get Simon Moffat ordering something as wherever he is, and it goes, "Well, in that case, I'll have a side over this with a case of uh, something to do with uh, insensitive bitch or whatever." Is, oi, is oi, oi. It's all right. You can beat that. You're talking um, about the female dog. It's all right. Let it go. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, it's just robot chicken. Just really. Went to town on just walking at Markbar, which was. Just I, awesome. I think the thing that Robot Chicken um, got into was the fact that anybody can do the Akbar voice, <laughs> yeah, anybody, and they're yeah. just and they're just like, oh, that's fantastic! It's just it's a normal thing, and everybody gets linked into that more. It was like, yeah, I can do that. That's class. So it is. <laughs> but oh, fuck me! This guy's I, talented. Is doing a Jar Jar Binks impersonation or like that. You know. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> it's a trap! It's a trap! <laughs> You asked for that one there, Robbie. So really <laughs> right now, you're going to probably be freaked out by this. I'm going to read it word for word as Chris has wrote it. <laughs> Luke sets off to visit his daddy and his daddy's boss. <laughs> Happens to end over with Leia and the rest of the rebels. <laughs> oh, flip. I'm trying. This is hard. Uh, Lando and Ninumna. Uh, <laughs> I'm working now. Sorry. Sorry. Attack. Nine num. Yes, there we go. Uh, attack the second Death Star. Was there too much going on at this part of the film, Rob? Uh, you know, no, because if you would have had it just being like Luke confronting his father and the Emperor, it would be kind of slow and dragged out. If you didn't have the stuff on Endor, you wouldn't have stuff to sell, and you have to blow up the second Death Star because you have to. You have to tie up loose ends. You could say the same thing in Revenge of the Sith. There was so much going on at the end of that. You can compare it to this because they're trying to tie up loose ends. We have to finish this off because we don't know if we're ever going to make other movies, right? So you, you it's not much. I mean, it, they flo- it flowed nicely. Whoever edited it did a great job. It was never – you were never confused about what was going on. Uh, Don? Yeah, I was going to make the exact same comparison that Rob did. It's just like the end of Revenge of the Sith there. I mean, you know, Revenge of the Sith was the end of that trilogy of movies. Return of the Jedi is the end of this trilogy. So at this point, you've got to kind of tie all that up, and you've got to do it in a very exciting way. So I think that showing, like, all of these different things happening all at the same time as each other is very, very exciting. It just makes it all much more entertaining, and it does it flows together so well. So I, I don't think that there's too much going on at all. I think it's the perfect amount. The thing I like about it is the way it's you mentioned the editing. It it makes it uh, seem very real time. So yes. you realize the effort that is going into these different strategic attacks. So you make it sound like it's twenty four. But it it was it's just as important as twenty four. <laughs> so it is. But um, you get to see that this is affecting this, and then you know obviously you see the confrontation with Luke talking to the Emperor and all that sort of stuff happening at the same time, and you're like, but oh wait, that's that's going to affect these guys, and they're walking into the traps and all that sort of stuff. It's a trap. <laughs> I was expecting the voice again there, but thank goodness. <laughs> Too easy. Uh, <laughs> Chris. Yeah, like in the first film, uh, like in The Phantom Menace, you could have done with the whole Gungan. You could have done without the whole Gungan battle thing. For me, you could have really done without the Ewok battle, in my opinion. Um, or if you're wanting to 
you know, like, fair enough, you want to have the teddy bears there, you know, for your merchandise and stuff, I get that, but you don't need as much, I don't really need to see the stormtroopers um, getting, throwing rocks at them and things like that, and then at the end, you know, like the bongos and all that stuff. But you know, it was supposed I, to be, it was supposed to be the Wookiees originally, and I think that would probably made it better, I think, for people. Yes, it would have made it a heck of a lot better if it was Wookiees instead of Ewoks. <laughs> uh, was Vader's turn back to the light side of the Force? Does it mean more now than considering we've seen the uh, episodes 1, 2, and 3, Rob? No, it was always significant because the idea Luke was told throughout the whole time you don't come back from the dark side. Once you go to the dark side, you can't come back. And, you know, he did come back, but it wasn't like. He didn't really 100% turn back to the lights. Oh, actually, no, you're right, he did, because he was able to become a ghost. Right, sorry. Uh, <laughs> forgot about that. Um, <laughs> minor detail. Minor detail, the whole end of the movie. Uh, no, I, you, you needed it. it. It was it was perfect. He he had to help his son. He's, he, he's showing that he's trying to become more human. And the whole thing when he tells him, I want to see you with my own eyes... It's really cool to touch it. You want to, once again, finish off, balance out the end. If Vader just died without him having a personal moment with his son, you don't have... It, you kind of leave loose ends. You can't have that. Chris? Uh, yeah. Um, obviously, it's it's symbolic in the fact that his son has got through to him, you know, in the sense of, you know, in, obviously in episode 3, Obi-Wan's trying to get through to Anakin, mm-hmm. um, whereas at the end, you know, um, whenever Emperor's electrocuting Luke and he's going, look, father, please, and it, he's having to stand there and watch his son yeah. being tortured by the Emperor, and then it's kind of, enough's enough, and then just gets rid of his boss and goes like, hmm, promotion for me. <laughs> um, and it's just a case of that's pretty symbolic and whenever he takes his helmet off it goes like I want to look at you with mm. my own eyes and you just see him sitting there and, uh, with the harmonica piece almost you know wrestling with his mouth <laughs> but um, just the fact that that happens and then it, you see Luke um, you know um, cremating him you know like setting the, um, his body on top and just setting him on fire just to, to make his his soul you know yeah. leave his uh, very very robotic body so to speak uh, Dan you know I, I think that the it's very symbolic how it was already but I'm going to go ahead and say that I do feel it helps add to it a little bit after seeing the prequel stuff because um, it, seeing the the rise and fall of I mean Lucas has always kind of said once the prequels came out Lucas has basically said that the Star Wars saga the main story was supposed to be the, the the rise and fall and rise again of Anakin Skywalker. You know, we get to see him become the Darth Vader and then turn back to the light side at the very end. So it's his story. And I think seeing all the stuff that we did get to see uh, in the prequels, even though it came afterwards, it does still kind of add a little bit more emotion to this ending scene. Uh, the, the scene like Chris was talking about where... You know, he he has the battle with Luke, and then the Emperor steps in and and basically says, "All right, well now I'm going to end this." And he starts, you know, hitting Luke with the Sith lightning. Just watching Vader in that scene where he's kind of looking back and forth, you know, between the Emperor, his boss, and and then looking down at his son who's dying. And even though he's wearing the mask, it's almost like you could see this conflict of emotion in his face. You can almost see how sad and hurt Anakin is right here. And then, you know, he reaches 
reaches forward and he just he makes his decision and he grabs the emperor and he throws him off. I mean, that whole scene is such an emotional scene, and it's something that I've always just I absolutely love that whole ending part of the movie. I mean, it, it really does hit me. You know, I, I've always loved watching that, and uh, you know, then seeing at the very end of the film where you know Luke and Leia are standing there, and Luke looks over and he sees Obi Wan and Yoda, and then Anakin is standing there alongside them. It's just kind of it's such a it's such a great feeling it gives you. You know, like like Anakin has kind of found himself again, and he's he's turned back to the light side. And going back to the way the prequels add into this he has become the chosen one after all. You know, he was kind of selected to be the chosen... You know, that it's one thing that they were pushing real hard in episode one is that Anakin can possibly be this chosen one, this one that we've been looking for to bring balance to the Force. And then it looked like they were wrong about it when he became Vader, but in the very end, Anakin was still the one that brought balance. He was still the one that saved the day and was the big hero. And I just... I I really do think that the the prequels really help add to that aspect of the whole thing. And I I love it. I mean, it's... Like I said, it's such an emotional moment and all of that. It's, It's so fantastic. It's really always hit me, you know. It's kind of kind of hit me hard right here in the heart. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm along the same lines as I'm along the same lines as you, Dan. Um, I think it's just it doesn't the prequels don't add to it in a huge way, but it's just the tiny bits you know going along. That's just you're just like right. That's done that because the whole thing you were mentioning about the foresight and you know similar situation as we've said with Mace Windu earlier. It's nearly like these two you know two similar. Events. I never thought of that. The Mace yeah, Windu. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He could have saved Mace Windu. Same, yeah. That was the turn. Yeah. Same situation, but then it's the same situation. Only it's with his son that I turns never, him back. I never thought of that. I have top trumped Chris Fenton Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I totally forgot to bring that up earlier. But I, when I was watching Episode Three, that's the exact same thing I noticed while watching the scene with with Anakin, watching Vader. I mean, watching uh, Palpatine and, and Windu fighting. It is. It's the exact same moment that he has with Luke and Emperor. But in that in in that instance. He chose the dark side over it, and I think that really does kind of play into this whole ending here. And he, he realized that you know he he made the wrong decision the last time. He's not going to make that decision again this time, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing that the prequels added to it was the fact again, you know, the scene where we see Vader is dying and he's talking to Luke, and he says to him, you know, he, it's the image that now we have seen. You know, we saw Anakin as a young man, you know, in, in the image of Hayden Christensen. You knew what he was like. But now he's lying there and he's this older man. Mm-hmm. You know, he's pale skinned that hasn't been in the sunlight for years and years. And you feel sorry for him, sort of thing. And I think that's just a wee bit added to by the prequels. Yeah. There's just like, you were right about me. And then, of course, look, taking him away and uh, getting him out of the Death Star, feeling he deserved a better death than being in the explosion. Yeah. Um, but of course, speaking of the explosion, the Death Star's explosion, would have it been a better way to end the film rather than saying, in Chris's words, the <laughs> teddy bear Ewoks partying with the rebels? Uh, Dan? <laughs> no. On, Ewok. No, I don't think the Death Star blowing up should have been the proper ending. I think the proper ending is exactly what we, what we got. And honestly, I think it's better in the special editions rather than just the original ending because I, I one yeah. of the things I really liked about the special editions besides the music change is uh, 
I loved how it showed all the different planets that we visited throughout the entire saga and showing how they were all reacting to the end of the Empire. You know, you, you get that shot of, of Coruscant where they're pushing over the statue of Palpatine and everybody's cheering. And, you know, you get the, you know, you even get to see like uh, Naboo and some of these other planets from the prequels. And just getting to see all these different shots, I, I think that was brilliant. I love that. And it gives you such this happy feeling, you know, like, you know, that's it. They've done it. The Empire's gone. You know, it's been such a hard battle. And, and, you know, the good guys won. The good guys won. This is fantastic. And it's such a cool thing. Plus, on top of that, you get that whole, you get the whole ending with, you know, Luke kind of seeing his father standing alongside Obi-Wan and Yoda. And you get to get to see the nod to them. And you know that Luke's going on to, to be a Jedi and possibly rebuild the Jedi Order. And everything's in balance. So if it ended with just the Death Star blowing up, we would completely miss out on this whole really, you know, this happy ending that really just kind of ties the whole thing up and ends it. You know, this, we needed all this to end the story, to show us that it was over. Sweet. Uh, Rob? Completely what Dan said. Uh, well, mostly. Uh, <laughs> you can't redo it with the Dead Star because you did that in the first movie. You blew it up and then they got medals. You re-blow it up and you end it there. It, it, it falls flat. It wasn't even a complete Dead Star. It wasn't that significant of a win. <laughs> so, the more importantly is the, the defeating of the Emperor and you have to tie it up. You have everyone being happy at the end because it is the last, supposedly was supposed to be the last movie. So you have to have everyone happy. Like, like you said, having seen his father burnt up and die and become the ghost, you need that. You need it. It's very important. I kind of disagree with the special edition because it was awful flash that everyone was like celebrating. It's like, that's what just got blown up, and everyone's like, hey, fireworks in future New York City, hey, hey, this, like, it's like, really, that fast? I mean, I, I know it's deep, but it's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, so do they have instant messenger? Like, I don't, <laughs> not they all know, because the Death Star was over here, you know, it's like, what they said about a space carrier pigeon, like, they was way too fast, and I felt that you didn't really need to have them all celebrating, I thought the core characters celebrating was good enough because if you read the Dark Empire saga, they're still stragglers of the Empire that Luke is trying to take down. So it's like, right. it's not completely over. Like I felt that when he did that, it's like, alright, it's all done. Everyone's happy. It's like, but no, what about all these books that have been written for the last 20 years about what happens afterwards? So that, it could have just done a... I mean, I don't mind showing some of the other planets celebrating, but it just felt like you didn't see those other planets in the the uh four five and six, so going back to them, looking exactly they did sixty years prior, it just felt like they just he just wanted to throw them into the original. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I obviously you see like Lando coming back and meeting up with Han and Leia, and as we said, you know, Luke seeing the Jedi Knights, you know, there. Um, I would have liked to see though them parting their ways, mm. you know, like, and then just saying, right, well, obviously, you know, this may happen or that may happen, you know, leave, maybe leaving it open for another one and saying, you know, we thought we've defeated the Empire before, and look what happened, so, you know, you could see Han and Leia saying, right, well, like, you know, all the best in your future endeavors, <laughs> for want of words, um, you know, and then just hopping on the Falcon and flying away, and Luke going to... Like uh, setting up some kind of trying to recruit more Jedi's or something. I thought you were like about that. to go Jedi for rent or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Makes him sound like he works street corners. Jedi for rent. 
Um, for me, it, you have to agree that um, explosion wouldn't wouldn't have been the best way. But the thing I like about the explosion is, and this is sad me and loving my surround sound stereo. Uh, there's nothing I love more than seeing just the whole bit where uh, Lando and Wedge and all is coming out off the Death Star and the fire is following behind them. Mm-hmm. And then just the kick of the stereo, just the boom when the Millennium Vulcan shoots straight out of the vent and you see all the fire come after them. And then you see the shockwave. And then, it, you know, you obviously see that it turns into the likes of the fireworks and that sort of stuff. Um, you forgot Lando going, yeah! I was trying, I was trying, I was trying to keep that. That's massively it. important. I was trying to keep Especially that. Especially in surround sound. Yeah. <laughs> but we have mentioned the whole seeing the ghosts of Yoda and Obi-Wan and Chris is looking at me with sad eyes and the fact of now I'm going to mention did you think it was a good thing to replace the original series of movies, the original cut, the theatrical trailers the original Anakin with Hayden Christensen, Rob? You have to I mean, well, I, no, maybe you don't have to because when Vader dies, he's older so, you know, Yoda looks like Yoda when he died. Obi-Wan looked like he looked like when he died. Uh, I think you could have left the original guy in, but, you know, putting Hayden in, it's not that big of a deal because you watch him when he was like a Jedi because it's, it's a toss-up. I'm not going to complain because it's just a ghost. It's on screen for about a minute and a half <laughs> at most. So it's not that big of a deal. You throw Hayden Christensen in, that's fine. You already put, like you said, Naboo and everything into the special features. You want to put Hayden Christensen, that's fine. But it's kind of messed up for the actor. They stand there in that costume all the time, and then he's, you know, not it. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of a disappointment. But, no, I, I would have preferred it if it was they left it with the original guy because the idea is when they died, they go into the Jedi, into the, the, that life stream of the Force at that point in time because if anyone wanted to be younger I guarantee you Obi-Wan would have preferred to be a younger ghost <laughs> <laughs> yeah Ewan McGregor was way better looking than uh, yeah I bet you so, Yoda wouldn't have wanted I bet you Yoda wouldn't have been wanted to be the episode one puppet <laughs> yeah with, with, the, with the cane still holding the cane <laughs> yeah. as a ghost yeah. and the wee lantern thing as well <laughs> what about you Dan um Mostly when when I saw it, I was I was a little confused by it because I wondered why he was younger, just like Rob was talking about. But I guess I think George Lucas's explanation for it, which I don't really know if it, <laughs> whatever you know, sometimes his explanations are just there just to be there. But his explanation was uh, that you know, well, when Anakin Skywalker died, it's when he became Darth Vader. So when his ghost appears, it looks like he did when he actually died. And part of me goes, okay, I guess I can see that. <laughs> but the other part of me goes, what? but but what? <laughs> but he just he just turned back to the light side. So technically, you know, if that's the logic you're using, shouldn't he still look like he does right now as a ghost? I don't know. I don't know. But overall, it doesn't bother me. I kind of am the same way as Rob where... It's it's whatever you know it's it's kind of cool and honestly the first time I saw it I was kind of like oh that's that's kind of neat you know it kind of does tie the whole saga together with you know getting to see the prequel Anakin standing here at the end you know it kind of brings it all together but I don't know it's not something I, I get too overly concerned with it's it's just there and whatever you know 
I think George Lucas goes out of his way to tick off his special effects guys. He's like, okay, we got this piece of footage from like 1982 that we filmed. Can you put a Hayden Christensen in it, like right there? But the guy was standing in front of a rock, and the other guy was standing behind a rock, and then I was super important. This is going to take us like seven months at $3 million. <laughs> and I'll love it. And I'll make some stupid explanation later. Don't worry, just go with it. <laughs> I don't think either of us could top that. I don't think either of us could top that. Um, but, again, we shall do our ranking system from one to six. Uh, what about you, Dan? I'll put this one at two. Chris? One. <laughs> Rob? Two. Two. See, see the way it's a flip? It's because it's the the only film I remember sitting in the cinema with my dad watching because I remember seeing the Ewok on the speeder bike spinning round and me laughing. Uh, Wait, so were you like four years old, right? Yep. Because I saw it when I was five, so you're I'm a year older than you. So I did see it in the movie theaters too, but I barely remember it. But I remember, <laughs> yeah. But still, that's doesn't, get, doesn't give me my number one spot though, just because. No, that's my early. That's my earliest memory uh, is doing that. So that's why. It, Ranks up there. Oh, yes. yeah. Well, before we round up, <laughs> we have some other Star Wars business to yeah. attend to. Got this Star Wars holiday special one. Yeah. On longer than any of the other six we've actually covered. Best the ever. fact that one of the Wookies is called what is it, Lumpy or something? Yeah. Lumpy. Lumpy. Yeah. Anyway, this is just going to be a random voice your discussions on this. <laughs> so uh, I'll pass over to you, Rob. Okay. Uh, wait, which is why we talk about the Christmas special? <laughs> just the, in hol- the holiday special. All right. There, what I love about it, because if you, I didn't see it when it came out, because it came out in '78, and I was like one. So we'll let it. <laughs> and so when I finally saw it years later, I was just so appalledly. I was appalled that it was made, and I was so happy that George Lucas hates it so much that made me want to love it. So, with that being said, you watch the movie. The best thing about it is the cartoon. By far, it was so animated like Heavy Metal. If you ever saw Heavy Metal, that crazy, sick animation. And you got to see Boba Fett actually have lines and be a, a bounty hunter. He's not really a good guy. He's not really a bad guy. And that's so – that's the first time you ever see Boba Fett. And yep. that is very significant. And he was on a monster, four-legged creature thing, which is awesome. It's great. Yeah, whatever. I love it. The animation was great. And I think the actors did their own voices too, which was another cool thing, I think. I don't think they were all their voices, but – it was a lot, and I love the idea of seeing Chewbacca's homeland, you know, and seeing other giant Harry and the Hendersons. It's really cool. Um, and his neighbor being our Carney, which is fine. I was waiting for him to kick in and going, hey, you know, Chewbacca boy, where are you? You know, I'm going, yeah. <laughs> didn't do that, and I was so disappointed, but um, you got the cantina scene, which is great, and you got scenes from the movie. They just cut them in, put them in, and... All around, you got to see Jefferson Starship do a song. That is awesome. <laughs> you get a music video in the middle of your Star Wars adventure. That is awesome. So it's everything. It's bad. It's bad, but it's it's bad because it's fun because they were trying to cash in on Star Wars, and I can't fault them because George Lucas completely did that. And the actors were Harrison Ford was in it for a minute. Uh, yeah, Fisher that was up. so dodgy. Luke though. showed up right before he had the car accident, so he, everyone was still pretty healthy looking, and that's made it so much more fun. Because you know what, it was like in the middle of this, Chewbacca has to go home and spend time. But then you have to think about wait, that's Chewbacca's son, or what is Lumpy to him? I always forget. They don't really. It's kind of really convoluted. What like 
Lumpy is. Like, is it is Chewbacca a broad or a guy? I can't tell because yeah. who's who's the mother, and oh, is the other two there? Their mother. It's like it was really weird, but we let it go because it's a TV special, and <laughs> it was no worse than anything else that was on at that time, and it had just Star Wars characters, and the cartoon rocked. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to give you quick fire things now, uh, just to do with a few of the Star Wars things. So, Alan, if you do that there, and then we're going to wrap up so we can pimp your stuff, and then that's going to be our Star Wars thing after this long, after this long journey. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, the first quick fire is uh, Dan. Do you have a favorite outtake or extra on a DVD? Oh man. Um... I, you know, I think some of my favorite stuff was the stuff on the episode three disc, where they showed some of the scenes that were cut out, like the uh, the beginning of the rebellion. That whole scene there was kind of cool to see. And uh, then, of course, you've got like the little scene with Yoda landing on Dagobah that they were going to ha- put in with the end. I thought that was really cool. Um, so mostly watching all of that kind of stuff right there, I think, is among some of my favorites that they've included on DVDs so far. Cool, Rob. Uh, in the special edition, if you typed in the THX 1138 and you went, you found the, was uh, like an end credit scene. It was all like Boba Fett chasing the Ewok on the Death Star. <laughs> that <laughs> is awesome to find. That is like when I found that damn Easter egg, I was like, oh, please shoot him dead. Kill the Ewok. <laughs> Kill Warwick David now. Davis, just kill him now. I want him dead. <laughs> now I know why he got eaten by this in the Saw Life, because he couldn't hit the Ewok, who could run like barely. He has stumpy little legs, and he couldn't hit him. Uh, so he deserved it. Now I know why Boba got eaten, because he couldn't hit nobody with for nothing. Oh, dear. Um, Dan, do you have a favorite um, music piece from the score of any of the Star Wars movies? I, I've always been pretty partial to the... Uh, the music that plays in the cantina on the first one, you know, that the, the model <laughs> notes play. Everybody loves that song. I've always loved that. Um, but the Imperial March is so cool. I love the Imperial March. But I'm also a big fan of the, um, I, I wish I could remember the name of it, but it's the music that's playing uh, during the Obi-Wan Anakin fight scene Bottle in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, Battle of the Heroes. Oh, that's, that's such a great, such a great tune. I love it, love it. So those are among my favorites right there. Chris? Uh, whenever Anakin's, uh, after he's went to the volcano kind of thing, and uh, he's slaughtering them all, uh, it's called, I think it's called Anakin's Dark Deeds. I love that tune mm-hmm. so much, that one and one... Um, dance out. But that and even the end credits of episode, episode 3 is my favorite album my favourite soundtrack album so the end credits for episode 3 as well my two are exactly the same as Dan's the Imperial March and then the Battle for Heroes because um, the Imperial March has had such an impact because you even find the people like some Metallica and all have done their version of it yeah. has that sort of an impact do, do you ter- want to share what um, our boss's ringtone on your phone is the Imperial March <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> so if I ever hear that ringing out, I must avoid yeah, my phone. Exactly. <laughs> and finally, uh, Rob. Uh, uh, number one has to be the when that that sad piece in New Hope, where he goes and Amp Baru and Algo and is dead. That real sad. I guess it's a slower version of uh, the opening. I forget. Um, it's just that it's like really sad and depressing. I love that. It's just a really good. It, it fit the time of the 
piece. It just was so perfect. And my second favorite is the song "Be Arthur Sings" in the. Uh, What's no? Crazy seriously, no, no. The action, the Imperial March. Everything's uh, from the original. Uh, the okay. Imperial March is great, and then that sad version when he decides to go with you know Obi Wan Kenobi. Just that slow, sad piece is just perfect. Right, well, we'll get on to wrapping up the show. So, Dan, we want to thank you for uh, coming on the show. Um, Al and I would like to personally thank you for everything you've done, pop culture related, on getting the show Absolutely. on that fine web sh- Webs. Wait. Yeah, I think Wait, we'll leave that, and then I'll say website. Uh, sorry, that was a slip of the tongue there. It's a trap. Um, so, so um, would you be, care to pimp anything without swearing, like I just did? <laughs> Well, of course, uh, popculturenetwork.com is the place where it's at. You can find uh, this wonderful podcast right here, Operation Retroshock. You can find Masses of the Universe Chronicles. You can find Rob Bass's Not Mint in Box. And, of course, you can find That New Toy Smell, which is the uh, show all about toys and action figures every Saturday. So I'll just tell everybody to go there, popculturenetwork.com. You can find everything, everything you ever wanted. It's right there on that one site. And, Mr. Rob Bass, over to you. Alright, well, besides what Dan just said, don't forget ComicNationTV.com, which will take you to the comic book section of Pop Culture Network, along my site, Alternative Minds, M-I-N-D-Z.com, which is all me, which has got pretty much everything that's on pop culture that I do, just on a different site, but it all links together anyway. Uh, and other than that, yeah, just listen to this, and that, yeah, that's, I'm done. <laughs> I don't need to pimp Master of the Universe Chronicles because Dan did that. I sent Dan an email earlier on just said could you cover that you for wire me wire the funds yeah. <laughs> no shut up oh, I forgot about that now so your Republican credits are not you. yeah exactly Republican credits are no good here I need something more real so rough up the show <laughs> anyway just again I'd like to thank you both for coming on the show it has been one hell of a ride yeah. And uh, I'm sure everybody will be extremely tired after listening to this, but uh, <laughs> I hope I hope it has been enjoyable. But Way to build us up! I'm sure everyone will be knackered. Don't worry, it's the end of the show. They'll have listened to it all by now. <laughs> okay, fine. But uh, yeah, with that, I'd just like to say, uh, check out obviously popculturenetwork.com, and that uh, I've been Alan Price, and I've been Chris, Hunt. and we shall speak to you again in the near future. Goodbye. <laughs> You having fun, guys? Oh, show. <laughs> <laughs> Said with the most enthusiastic voice ever. <laughs> Anytime I get to talk about Star Wars, I'm having fun. So Exactly. I can't believe nobody touched the fact that Luke kissed Leia. Oh, yeah. How, do we, totally how, how, how can you skip that? How can you skip that? It's the most PG. significant thing PG. ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've already covered Back to the Future, so that kind of already covers I that. Don't so you <laughs> dare. Don't you dare. I will hit you. <laughs> okay, okay, let's get to it. It's not my fault you like incest films. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, see what I have to work with. <laughs>